Welcome to episode 6 of Mental Health by TalkLink. Here's what's coming up. Most of us have wounding around relationships. And we have lost touch with how to be authentically in our body. So for me, equine therapy done well is very much around how can you stay home in your authentic self as this horse moves towards you. I'm Rowan, and this is a two-part segment with Jane Faulkner, with this episode focusing on horse-assisted therapy and the next on gestalt therapy. Jane uses both at the same time in her practice. The purpose of this podcast is to have open chats with these professionals, and it's not designed to be used as individualized therapy. Please take it as general information only and visit the show notes for personalized support if you need it. Today's podcast is brought to you by TalkLink. TalkLink is an online directory connecting young Australians with the right mental health practitioner. If you'd like to ask Jane a question, you can do so anonymously at talklink.com.au forward slash podcast, we'll do our best to answer it in a follow-up Q&A session. Okay? Let's dive in. Currently, I um, train people in equine-assisted therapy and I'm a therapist. So work with different clients, mostly teenagers and adults, and work with horses to support the client and I. So um, I guess for me, it's really important that a client always feels safe and a client always kind of feels uh, welcome and that they get to work on authentically showing up. And I find that horses really support that process. So for horses, uh, being in authentic relationships, really important. And they are very similar to us. How, you, you know, if someone, you meet someone new, your nervous system's already trying to work out who is this person? Do I feel mm. safe with this person? And horses are, are the same. And so in therapeutic work, I find it really helps the client to kind of um, become more aware of how they show up and become more aware of, I guess, habits, patterns and behaviours that happen in their everyday relationships, the horses kind of seem to make it more obvious for them and then give them opportunities to make changes. Are there typical diagnoses of people who work well with your therapy? I haven't found any diagnoses that hasn't kind of found the equine therapy really supportive because working with horses, what you tend to have to work on is uh, regulating your own nervous system and becoming aware of what's happening in your own mind and your own body and then we call it resourcing but finding ways to support yourself to kind of come back home to yourself to, to so it might be slowing down your thinking it might be um, breathing it may be looking around just to kind of start to feel safe in the environment maybe grounding in your body each of us has a resource that's easier to access so working with horses because they are they've got like a finely tuned nervous system like we do but I think horses differ from us in that they um they call bullshit really well <laughs> so for us I think um we have this neocortex you know the front part of our brain and it has it overthinks things a lot of the time and it kind of um 
helps us create these masks or these ways of being socially acceptable. So horses don't kind of have that same concern about, they do want to fit in with their herd, but with us, um, if they don't feel safe with us, if we don't come to them with a kind of a regulated nervous system or owning really where we're at, then the mm. horse will actually move away and not want to be in relationship with you. And I think most people are the same. So for me, if I come across somebody out socially and I can feel that they're not uh, being themselves, so they're pretending mm. they're okay when they're not, I don't, I don't feel comfortable in that either. Mm. So they're, they're kind of just, they're just a lot more honest, I find, in um, responding to that than we are. They don't have all that social conditioning crap we do. So a horse will be physically attracted to someone who is grounded and consistent with who they are, who's not wearing that mask, whereas they'll physically walk away from someone if they detect masks. With different horses, they will respond differently to people's creative adjustments. So you may have a horse that is quite confident in themselves and um, they may see somebody that's quite appeasing you know somebody comes in they're like hey how you doing and and they're really kind of you're so beautiful talking to the horse mm -hmm. and the horse will just be like oh gosh I can hear you saying these things but where you're not even in your body you're not kind of grounded in yourself so some horses will move away from that and some horses will actually move into that like and start to kind of bully the person around which is often a theme in that person's life so horses just honestly respond to what people bring. I'm just, I'm back at that example. I just want to um, make sure I understand what you're saying. So if that person in that instance is mm. timid and wears this mask yeah. of maybe projecting softness, but perhaps there's something deeper going on inside, the horse will actually take advantage of their own personal insecurities. Some will. It's totally. <laughs> Some horses will, yeah. Do you use horses sometimes as a diagnostics tool to go, hmm, that horse has pushed that person around. Perhaps they're suffering from, you know. Yeah, I do. I do. Because they, the horses, they bring so much information about a person just in how they respond to that person. So um, if I think of some examples, like I had a young woman come in and she didn't mention anything about bullying. She was... She had a lot of suicidal ideation and mm -hmm. was starting to self-harm. And it, it was around, it was, she was linking it back to an early episode of trauma. Um, and one of the horses just kept kind of pushing her around. And it was like, gosh, you know, what are you noticing or what's happening for you? And she's like, oh, yeah, he's, he seems to really like being in my space. And I said, is this familiar? Do you, have you ever been bullied? And she said, yeah, it's, it's happening a lot at school at the moment where I just am unable to kind of push people out of my space or say no. Or And so then what's really cool about working with horses is we worked with that horse and she learned to actually say no and push him out of her space, which was a really new feeling in her body. Because sometimes in our family of origin, it hasn't been safe to say no or hasn't mm. been safe to push away or set boundaries. And so it's like you've got to remember how to do it and retrain your body that it's safe. 
and that's where the horses will respond straight away as well so as soon as she started to kind of set boundaries and be clear about where her kind of bubble stopped and the space that she felt comfortable in the whole dynamic between her and the horse changed which was massive for her to actually feel in her body how it felt to say no and reclaim no this is my space yeah there's a part of that which is counterintuitive to me in my uh, uneducated framework i'd imagine that you're there trying to get people to pat horses and be close to horses and here you're describing how you're training someone to push a horse away and in doing so actually improving the diet i mean it makes sense uh, but it's not my going in assumption of what your therapy involved yeah yeah and i think a lot of people have that assumption that it's all about patting the horses or getting close to the horses or even riding the horses and for me it's not about that at all it's it's more about um because horses aren't always hugely keen on being touched Mm -hmm. and so um, it's not about touching the horses or in the way that I do it. Different people do it in different ways. More for me, it's around the horse um, gives very honest feedback. So responds very quickly to what that person brings into the paddock. And it's an opportunity for that person to really notice far out. I've gone to each of these four horses and they've all responded to me in the same way what am I doing? And does this happen in my life? And what can I change to see if something changes in the dynamic between me and the horse? And what's your role? Are you there helping them interpret what the horse is doing, pointing things out to them? Yeah, definitely. Well, more asking questions. So my role is definitely safety for the horse and for the client. Um, And I guess for me, I don't... um, I try not to put meaning on what's happening. I try to more get curious about what's happening for you when the horse responds to you in that way, mm-hmm. you know, what comes up for you. Um, and that's what we'll work on, you know, that what, what comes up, like um, they might say, I can't breathe or I've gone blank or I'm, I'm starting to um, feel really small. And that's what we work on. Hmm. So, what does your space look like? How many horses do you have? <laughs> yes, sorry, I couldn't take you up there. There's no Wi-Fi up there. So we have seven horses that work here, um, five big ones and two smaller ones. Do these horses have special training or are they just horses? So um, they are just horses, but I think it's important to choose your horses. Like I think... Um, for me, it's really important that your horse has the capacity so that their nervous system is quite regulated and they're quite calm and comfortable in themselves. I think that's really important. Mm-hmm. And the second thing is that they like working with people because some horses don't. Some horses want to do other things. So, and I think it's really important that your horses are quite healthy because I think this does. Um, have an impact on them working with people and their mental health issues. Yeah. So they're not trained. I um, go through a process of auditing all my horses. So uh, regularly we just take them through different things that we might get them to do with clients and just see how they're going and see just to make sure that they're doing all right as well, that they're tolerating working with people not even tolerating still enjoying working with people Mm, mm. yeah that that's 
hugely important to me and the people that work here that the horses welfare and that we are really advocating for the horses and kind of educating clients about how to be in relationship with horses because I think um, as people we've forgotten uh, how to connect one with ourselves two with each other and three with the environment and so I find a lot of people come here with expectations of the horse, you know, healing them or reaching out to them or coming up and wanting to be touched. And so we kind of um, support a process of the person really getting curious about what, what they're needing from the horse and how they can kind of meet that need within themselves, how, can the, how they can get clearer about what's driving that need. So you're based in Queensland, right? I'm based in Queensland, yeah, in the Talabudgera Valley, which is the Gold Coast hinterland. Talabudgera Valley. Yeah, yes. I'm not yeah. sure if I've ever been through the Talabudgera Valley, but I know that area and it's I know the hinterland and it's stunning. Yeah, yeah, we are very lucky. I really love where I live. It's a very um, natural environment, so we kind of back onto rainforest. Yeah. And so the paddocks are in front of the rainforest and the rainforest is all around us and it has a really um I don't know it's kind of got rocky outcrops either side so we are in a so Talabudra Valley's got one way in and one way out mm -hmm. and then we're a little road off that and it's the same it's its own other valley with rocky outcrops either side so it's got a lot of um, real natural beauty which I find clients really appreciate and feel healing in itself you know just being outside just being mm. able to kind of um, orient or notice the natural environment and feel supported by the natural environment I think is massive for so many people what's the extent of a client's engagement with the horse can it progress all the way through to riding them and what does that process look like and how does your decision making evolve as they experience engagement with the horse yeah so it very that very much depends on the client and the client's diagnosis and what we feel the client needs mm. so some of our clients definitely progress onto riding that that's after they've spent many sessions building relationship with themselves building relationship with the horse um, and we tend to get people to ride the horses when we feel like um, they need more support being in their body or more support just with that uh, early attachment so with the because riding a horse gives you that same feeling of being held and rocked like when you're a baby and a young person so we find that people with really um, early developmental attachment issues can find riding very deeply therapeutic um, we, we don't advertise that we do riding here because a lot of people kind of get confused and think like, oh, this is all about riding the horses or patting the horses. And, and it's not, it's all about you looking at your own stuff and, um, supporting the healing of that through relationship with the horse. I'd love to ask you about, uh, Maybe do you have like a case study or a journey of someone that's come in and can you map out or tell us how they interacted and what they look like coming in and where they went to from there? Yeah, sure. So um, I had a, 
a young teenage woman and uh, her mum had cancer and was dying. So she was holding a lot as a teenage girl. Her, her dad was quite disconnected from the process. That was his way of managing it. And um, her sister was overseas. So she kind of didn't really have any support and felt like nobody at home could tolerate her depth of anxiety and grief. So um, when she came here, she first started to work with, or she was drawn to working with a horse that I have called Phoenix and starting to slowly build a connection with him. So where they both learn to feel safe with each other. So with that, we start without any um, ropes or halters or anything like that. It's just both of them in an area where the horse can move away and the client can get away. And she's learning to kind of um, really express what's happening inside for her and learning to kind of um, express what's happening, feel the feelings, but also support herself to kind of um, stay in her body, stay with the process, because that's what horses require to be in relationship that we're in our bodies. And horses mm. feel a lot safer when we are feeling our sadness than we're pretending everything's okay. Mm-hmm. They move right away from that. They're very much... Um, Uh, look for that congruence and that authenticity so um, over many weeks her and Phoenix really started to build a solid connection and you could see her body language change when she first came her chest was all collapsed in and her shoulders were forward and she would even struggle to kind of look at me and over time her, her body language became more upright and she became a lot more open with me more eye contact and a lot more comfortable with Phoenix and him with her um anyway because of her mum's illness she she didn't come to see me for um there was a few months probably three or four months went by and um they were just dealing with her mum in the late stages of the illness Mm. and um anyway she became very suicidal and uh took an attempt on her life and um, survived which is great and then came back to therapy a good a good friend of the family's brought her back to work with the horses Mm. and um yeah just makes me teary thinking about it um just the phoenix gosh (laughs) sorry (laughs) that's all um yeah, just him connecting with her and holding her and and kind of, um, yeah, not because she came and she had a lot of shame, mm-hmm. um, you know, because she'd kind of made this attempt on her life and she'd been in hospital for a week or two and um, with everything else that her family had going on, I think she felt like a real failure and that she should have done it a lot better than she did and, you know, all that crap we do to ourselves she'd been doing to herself so um yeah so she came back and yeah she was back in a very shut down shamed place and just seeing our phoenix (laughs) sorry i gotta get over it um just seeing phoenix hold space for her and acknowledge and 
give her a place to um, really honour her feelings, you know, and to be kind of held in that grief and that fear of losing her mum. And in that um, shame around making an attempt on her life. And um, so after that, she started coming back weekly again. And we did a lot of work on really supporting um, her and that shame and um, how much she was carrying. And her mum, unfortunately, did pass away. And, um, but she kept coming and I guess just seeing her uh, work through that grief, that anxiety, that shame and come to a place of real um, maturity, emotional maturity in the way that she could hold herself and Mm. in the way that she could kind of, yeah, allow herself to grieve and allow herself to... um, forgive herself Mm. and be open to connection and relationship again just I think through that work with that with the horses and a a safe place where um, she could be seen and Mm. felt and understood yeah by by the horses and also by myself yeah so lots of different stories that one <laughs> how's she doing now she's doing great and that's what's really exciting so I haven't seen her now for probably a year hmm. she's gone overseas um and her but her auntie sends me updates and just says just how well she's doing and and how grateful they are and how because a lot of the skills that people learn to be in Um, connection with the horses become lifelong resources yeah we had someone on uh, on the show um, Tara Hicks who's an expert at emotion focused therapy yeah and she delved into negative emotions quite a lot and Mm. the bit that really stuck out for me there was she talked about how people commonly try and run away from negative emotions yeah instead of just sitting with them And the role of a therapist is to help a client often hold these really heavy, burdensome, negative emotions. And Mm -hmm. if I've understood what you've said correctly, Mm -hmm. the role of a horse in this um, equine assisted therapy is to help your client find the strength to hold and sit with some of these potentially very heavy negative emotions, particularly for a young adult like what you've described. That's a lot for a young, for anyone um, yeah. never mind a young adult to hold so have I understood that correctly is the horse basically assisting someone transition by carrying these negative emotions I'm glad you asked that question because it's really important that this is clear so for me as a therapist like what Tara said very true people run away it, our whole culture <laughs> kind of supports that we move away from yeah. hard feelings hard emotions and that we're always bright and breezy all the time which isn't part of being human but as a therapist my job is to support the client to access their emotions Mm -hmm. and to be able to kind of be with them to the capacity that they can tolerate 
So I think that's really clear too, because in our, in our culture, especially the personal development, it's like, just sit with it. And it's like, well, sometimes our nervous systems don't have a capacity to just sit with it. So I mm. see my role as a therapist to support someone to build the capacity to be able to sit with more of their difficult emotions. With the horses, the horses offer genuine relationship. So they offer that kind of non-judgmental space where they will just they will hold space for somebody when somebody is really in touch with their truth the horse will be there and hold space for that which is such a gift that they will show up in that way I guess for me I wanted it to be clear that it's I see it as my role as a therapist to support a client to get in touch with those big emotions and to support them and to kind of, we call it um, titration, where you allow them to touch what they can tolerate and then mm -hmm. kind of say so you're touching in and then you're moving out. And we did a lot of that work with this young woman where it's just touching in because um, a reason why people move away from these really difficult emotions is that at one point in their life they've been totally overwhelmed by them and they haven't been able to kind of um, cope or some people have been have fallen into depression and, and been stuck there for weeks months or years and so there's mm. this internal like um, oh my god I don't want to go anywhere near that feeling because last time I did I got stuck there and it's not even a a conscious thought it's like our, our nervous system and our our body managing itself I guess so for me as the therapist it's I see it definitely more as my role rather than the horse's role the horses support the process and I say mm. that because I think people get confused in equine therapy and they're like oh the horse is going to do all these magical things and um and I don't think that's fair to put on a horse you know to kind of Phoenix would, was definitely there holding space for her and providing un, unconditional relationship and supporting her to um, regulate. So mm. we definitely, you know, nervous systems ping off one another. And so our nervous system pings off a horse's nervous system. And generally their heart rate's a little lower than ours and their breath rate. And a regulated horse is is very calming to be around so that can be really supportive to a client yeah mm. and that's where too it depends on the horse different horses can tolerate different depths of emotion jane what is it about horses it seems like horses and dogs go back with humans for a long time and they just connect with humans in a way mm. that no other animals really connected what is it in your view about horses that makes them so compatible with humans ah oh, gosh so many things one is that relationship is important to them so horses have a herd and they have social structures within that herd and and i guess social rules that keep the horses within that herd as safe as they can be so they have that capacity for relationship that as humans, we are wired for, we're, we're wired for that connection as well. Mm. So I think their willingness to let us ride them was another massive benefit all through history. I mean, they say so many nations were built on the back of a horse. So 
I think that's where it all started that, you know, that was the first real mode of transport, the horse. Um, and then through there, yeah, just this, this depth of connection that a horse can have with a person and this capacity to kind of um, really be with that a horse has that I think especially in today's world, we are losing as humans and mm. is especially powerful with clients that have been hurt in relationship with humans, you know, that have lost trust with humans. And I think this applies to, to a lot of animals where people have been so hurt in interpersonal human relationships that they feel safer having a relationship and a connection with an animal whether it be a dog or a horse or a cat um, and getting those relational needs met there because they're unable to get them met safely with people. If someone's listening and they think, wow, this sounds really interesting. Maybe I should see if there's a, an equine center nearby for me, or maybe even come up to see you. What sort of things do they need to think about in terms of compatibility for issues with, with the therapy that you offer? Yeah. So um, I guess one thing is mobility issues that they're able, that they have balance and, and that if they do have mobility issues, they check that out with the therapist that they're going to see. Um, another really big important issue I think is that they seek out a therapist that has this scope of practice to work with the condition that they have. Um, so, because, you know, there's a lot of different types of equine-assisted therapy and there's a um, large range of practitioners that offer this type of therapy. So to check in with the practitioner that they have experience to work with what you want to work on. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's probably one of the main things, that scope of practice, that your therapist has a scope of practice to work with the issue that you want to work on. Um, and to check in with the welfare of the horses at the practice where you want to go, you know that. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. that um, the horses are are seen as equal sentient beings. They're not just a tool for you to kind of mm. work your issues out on. I think that's important as well for your own healing and for the horses' welfare. What is your scope of practice? So my training, I did a master's in uh, gestalt psychotherapy. Well, I started off as a um, registered nurse and I worked in um, adolescent and mental health. Uh, Then I went off and became a yoga teacher. And then I came back and did my master's in gestalt um, psychotherapy. I then did a certificate in art therapy and then certificate in equine assisted psychotherapy. So, and I've done a lot of um, small workshops and trainings in trauma. So how to work, how to be more trauma informed. I'm study I'm currently studying um, somatic experiencing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in terms of what what your practice, in terms of the styles of clients that your practice sees. Yeah. What's so your scope there. Um. So if, there's a few different practitioners at the space where I work. So for me, I'm more um, working with people with complex PTSD and um, probably complex mental health issues. Uh, Some of the other practitioners um, 
work with younger clients, um, clients on the spectrum. We all work with a lot of clients with anxiety, depression, um, eating disorders. That's probably our main scope where I work. Yeah. yeah. I guess that anxiety and depression, I understand. Uh, mm. The autism's is a very logical connection for me or, or spectrum. Um, yeah. The PTSD is a little bit of a surprise. Mm. Is there a specific approach that you take to your clients with PTSD and, and equine-assisted therapy that's yeah. different to how you deal with the others? Uh, I think it's a lot slower. So my approach is a lot slower. Mm. My approach is very focused on um, building safety for the client. So um, supporting the client to know how their body lets them know they feel safe. Mm. Um, and definitely building resources. So, and knowing we talk a lot about the window of tolerance. So knowing when they're in that window of tolerance and when they're in hyperarousal or in hypoarousal. So a lot of psychoeducation to begin with, just to support them to track their own nervous system as it kind of peaks and troughs. And then supporting them to, yeah, get really, um, resource so I, I kind of talk about um, resources being like a bank account that you need to put money into you need to put time and energy into building those mm. resources so that when uh, we start to walk work with the traumatic material we have positive resources to draw upon so mm. with the horses with that it can be very much just um may not mean that we even go into the same paddock as the horses but we're working outside the paddock and we're just um noticing the client and when the client's able to stay in that window and when they kind of pop out and, and then how we bring them back into the window of tolerance okay so we're going to stop the chat here as the end of part one. From this point on, Jane mainly focuses on gestalt therapy, in particular how it's applied to horse-assisted therapy. Jane explains how gestalt therapy helps clients become present and release the hold of painful or traumatic past experiences. We'll have that all for you in our next episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a review and a comment. We read every single one and it's just amazing to see the feedback coming through and seeing that we're hitting the mark on so many levels. Your reviews and comments also make these conversations more discoverable by other listeners. If you've already left us a comment and a review, thank you, thank you so much.